0: The Student Ministry podcast you're about to hear is a lesson taught during a Wednesday night Bible study by Brother Kerry Schmidt. Brother Schmidt has served as an assistant pastor at Lancaster Baptist Church for over 20 years and currently serves as the director of the student ministries. For more sermon resources, please visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. Have you ever had a bad day? Or maybe something bad happened today? I don't even want to know. How many of you, you could say something difficult, something that wasn't what you planned, what you hoped, what you uh, bargained for, what you, you know mapped out for your week, something happened that just wasn't in your script, let's say the last week. Anybody raise your hand? It just wasn't what I expected. Okay. Um, my wife's had this happening to her. Uh, her battery in her van has been dying. Uh, But it's kind of funny because every time it dies it coincides with something being left on in the van. And so, we, you know, instead of going and spending $100 on a battery, I'm like, well, was something left on? Oh, yeah, there was a light left on. Okay, so, well, let's see what's going to happen. And so another few days later, she ends up stranded somewhere. This car won't start, and we got to jumpstart it. And, okay, was something left on? Oh, yeah, I think the sunglass holder was open. Okay, well, let's close that and figure out. And we finally figured out after everything, you know, has happened, it was the battery. And I had to replace her battery. But three or four or five times, we've had to jump start that crazy van. And that's really kind of a bummer. You're just somewhere stuck at a grocery store, stuck at the mall, stuck in your driveway. How many of you have ever had, well, looking around the room, I don't even need to ask this question. Um, I was going to say how many of you had a bad hair day recently, but so many of the girls have had one today. Uh, I can see in the room that they're not laughing. See, guys, that's what you call hitting a nerve. Because the girls are all going, He knows. Just do what I did. It's hard to have a bad hair day with this. Um, Guys, there's one thing I I have been acutely reminded of in the last four months, three months, four months, and that is that I'm not in control. Um, That things happen that I didn't want to have happen or I didn't plan to have happen. Listen up, please. Things in life happen. And I'm looking at a group of people that... There are stuff that's happened in your lives. Everything from a bad hair day and something as simple as your curling iron wouldn't heat up when you plugged it in today, which is relatively low, you know, on the life-threatening trial list. Everything from something like, you know, oh, we're out of milk and I couldn't eat my honeycombs today, which is tragic, (laughs) to something like, your parents divorced or somebody died that you love or somebody that you love is sick or somebody, something happened or you got in a car accident or, I mean, so we could, we could come up with this list of things that are out of our control, circumstances that happened to us. I didn't make a cheerleading squad. I didn't make the team. Something that I was hoping for didn't happen. Something I was planning unraveled. Something I wanted fell through. Um, and now I'm in this land where, frankly, I could say, this stinks. This stinks. I got a demerit I didn't deserve. This stinks. How many of you have ever gotten in trouble for something that you did not do? Raise your hand. That stinks. No, you know, frank, frankly, guys, I hate it. I hate that there are bad things that happen to you. I don't like cancer. I'm not like, yay, I got cancer. Um, I'm okay, but it stinks. Uh, stuff in, in life happens that's just out of our control. And, and and stuff that, frankly, when you look at it objectively, you go, wow, that's rotten. And, and as I look around the room, I, I see faces and I see stories, lots of them. And I'm like, wow, you know, I would never have written the script of life that caused that to happen to you. Uh, so many of you in this room, whether it's your curling iron didn't work or your parents were divorced, what, whatever has happened that's out of your control, that's off the script of your life, that just stinks. It, everybody in this room could make a list of things like that. And um, the question I wrote down last night is simply this, when, and they all have, they happen to all of us, those things, the, uh, that stinks stuff in life, okay, happens to all of us, and the question is, how do you respond when it happens? Nobody in this life has this perfect, pristine little life that everything goes absolutely perfectly according to your plan, just like Richie Rich. Nobody's life is like that on any level. Everybody's life has things that unfold that, don't, that are not in your control. They stink. And the question is, what do you do? How do you respond when those things happen? And I came up with a list of ten. We're going to talk about five of them. And I called it stuff we should stop doing. Because when I found out I had cancer, I was tempted to do some things that right away I started making decisions not to do. And now three or four months into it, there's been some pain, there's been some sickness, there's been some days, frankly, that the whole day stunk. There's been some days that all I could do was lay flat on a bed and hardly talk to anybody and just get through it and pray that I could sleep that night and wake up the next day and do it again or hope I felt better the next day. And thank the Lord for a great wife and great sons and a great daughter who, man, if I say I, I need orange juice right now, you know, it's like, no, I needed it 10 minutes ago. Please hurry. You know, they're there to help. You know. So it's, it's a blessing. But what do you do when, when stuff just stinks? You got a demerit you didn't deserve. You failed a test. Your parents jumped on your case. Your hair didn't work. Your face is ugly. Uh, what do you do? Okay. Write this down. Number one. Stop complaining and start thanking. And each of these has a stop and a start. And I'm going to try to go through them pretty quick. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot of reasons I'm thankful for cancer. But can can I tell you one of the main reasons I'm thankful for it? Because it gives me a license to say some things that I otherwise could not say. It's hard. It would have been very hard for me to say to some of you that have endured very difficult trials. I'm talking about, you know, ten on the Richter scale. You've lost a loved one. Your family's broken apart. You, you, somebody's terribly betrayed you. Somebody's something really, really massive has happened in your life. It would be hard for me to come to you and say, "Don't complain. And choose to be thankful." If I didn't have a trial, you know, if I'm having cotton candy and watching SportsCenter, yeah, you you know, suck it up. You'll be fine. That doesn't fly. But from the middle of a trial, you know, from the perspective of, hey, dudes, I'm sick and I'm going through it and I really don't have any guarantee of cure and I don't really know what the future holds, I can say to you in a difficult trial, or in a medium trial, or in a light trial. Don't complain. Just, and guys, listen, this is a decision. We just read about the children of Israel. The word the Bible uses for this is murmur. And God took very seriously the offense of the children of Israel in the fact that no matter what he did, These people always found a way to turn around and to say, this stinks. And and I like that phrase, this stinks, because you guys know I use it a lot. You guys as teenagers use it a lot. That is, sometimes we say it sarcastically, sometimes we say it jokingly, sometimes we say it in a legitimate spirit of murmuring. And what we're doing, and it's a choice, it's a decision. And and how, how do you know this? Because... I'm dealing with it. The day the doctor looked at me and said, you probably have lymphoma, I had to make a decision. Do I get an attitude of, man, this stinks? I mean, sour, complaining, murmuring attitude, or do I choose deliberately to avoid that way of thinking? My wife and I, the night we were told this, we stopped. You guys were in church, and uh, it was about 730 and we stopped at that soccer park out there. And there's all these people playing soccer out there, you know. And we got out and we just took a walk along the fields of that soccer park trying to process, whoa, I have cancer. And, and I said to Dana, we're going to honor God. And I, and I made a decision. I am not going to complain. I'm not going to complain. And it was later that night that we prayed as a family. And we talked to Larry and, and, and Lance and Haley. We cried some. And then we decided to suck it up. And we decided to pray. And I think that was the night. It may have been another time, but I think that was the first time that, with my voice, with my mouth, I remember pausing. I remember everybody prayed, and then it was my turn to pray. And I remember praying, Lord, you know, thank you for our family, and thank you for saving us. And Lord, we, you know, trust you, we love you. And I remember coming to a moment in my prayer where the Holy Spirit said, Are you going to say thank you? And I remember just stopping cold in my brain and going, whoa, that's heavy. Thank you. Like, thank you for cancer. And um, a few seconds went by, and I said, Lord, thank you for this trial. Thank you for cancer. And I just tell you something. Something happened in my heart when I said that. Uh, it was a, a tough choice, but I'm glad. It, it got me over a hurdle uh, that, that, thankfully, I haven't gone back over. Um, and I, I, don't know where, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know what happened today or yesterday. But I know this. Something's not going to go the way you want it to go. And it, when it doesn't, you have a choice. You have a choice to either start murmuring and griping and complaining, or you have a choice to stop that right at the start and say No. Lord, I'm going to thank you. I don't even know why I'm thankful yet. And guys, by the way, to be thankful for something, it's this is not even like, yay, give me more. <laughs> it's not like that, okay? It's not like, oh, I like cancer. Uh, could I have a strawberry-flavored one next time? It's not like you're happy about it. It's not like you're gleeful about it. It's not like you're asking for more. You're simply saying, God, I accept your hand. And because I trust you and because I know you and because I know you're good, I'm gonna say thank you, even though I don't know what I'm thanking you for. Have you ever said thank you to somebody when they gave you a gift that was wrapped? You didn't even know what it was? Anybody do that? If I, Mark, if I gave you a gift right now, it was wrapped, you'd probably say thank you. But why? It could be poop. <laughs> Mark's like, I love poop. No, it's really gift-wrapped. You don't know what it is. You don't know what's behind that wrapping. But by faith, because you know me, and I probably wouldn't give you poop, you assume, stay with me, okay, poop got your attention. All right, we're back together now. (laughs) Hey, listen, Mark knows me well enough to know that if I'm going to give him a gift, it's probably something I put some thought into, and, and it's an expression of love, and there's something good for him. And so even though he doesn't know what it is yet, by faith he can say, thank you. And when something goes wrong in your life that wasn't what you planned, I dare you. When the devil jumps on your shoulder and goes, this stinks, and you have a right to complain, you have a right to murmur against God, you step back and say, no, God handed me a box, and it's a trial, and I don't know what's in this. I don't know what good is going to come out of this. And so by faith, because I know God is good, I'm going to say thank you. Even if I don't feel thankful, I'm going to say thank you. I'm going to trust God with the outcome. So my challenge to you in the new year, you'd be different than 99.99% of all the other teenagers on the planet if you did, number one, stopped complaining and start thanking. When your mom fixes the meal you hate, don't murmur. Thank the Lord you have a mom who can fix a meal that you hate. Because if the Lord took your mom away, you would wish she could come back to make you that meal that you ate. I mean, I could go on and on and on with all the different scenarios, but when something goes wrong that you didn't want to have happen, and and you're tempted to go, oh, no, this stinks, step back, guard your heart, and say, okay, I'm going to be thankful. Number two, number two, stop moping, and this is so cool, it rhymes, start hoping. Aren't you guys impressed? All right, now listen. Here's what happens. This is a cycle. This is a one thing leads to another thing. Okay, so something cruddy happens, something that you know that stinks happens in my life, and now I'm going to murmur and complain. Well, this uh, I'm what a bummer, and I can't believe, and I don't deserve, it, oh man, and I'm going I'm to gripe and gripe and complain. Now, here's what happens. Every time you complain, whether it's in your heart or off your lips, stay with me, something happens. I wish I could illustrate this somehow. Um, Every time you gripe, every time you murmur, every time you complain, you are putting a sandbag of bad stuff on your back. It's it's like it's like, yeah, this stinks and it just kind of lands on you. And yeah, man, this really stinks and it just kinda lands on you. And every time you think a complaint, utter a complaint, utter a murmur, gripe, moan in your heart, I I mean with a spirit towards the Lord of why are you doing this to me? What you're doing is weighing your own spirit down with self-pity. You're moping. And it's like you're just going to kind of hide away in Mopeville. Mm, Poor me. My life stinks. Poor, poor me. Everybody should feel really bad for me. And every time you think that, you get lower. My life stinks. (laughs) My life is worse than his. And all of a sudden, you're a walking depression factory because you're throwing more stuff on yourself to mope about. Murmuring leads to moping. My definition of moping is self-pity. The first time I heard that phrase in relation to my trial, I didn't think of the words self-pity together until Haley said them. And, and, And her... Big struggle with finding out that I had cancer was going to school, not being asked questions, but being pitied. And she said to my wife, or to me, or to both of us, I don't remember, she said, I don't want everybody to pity me. I'll be honest with you, one of the hardest things for me. I got up, I got up in staff meeting today to lead the song for the staff uh, in the staff meeting before Pastor... And the look on, like, half of the staff members' faces was like, <laughs> I wanted to go, dude, take an Alka-Seltzer and go home. You look sick. You know, I, uh, it's, 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 it's hard to have other people, you know, oh, poor pitiful you. What's even worse is for yourself to be there. Poor pitiful me. Don't mope. Turn around and say, wait, 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 wait. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. There's something good in this. There's something to hope about. There's something to trust about. There's something God is doing and working for me and for others. I don't know what it all is, but I can look to that and plan on it. I can hope for it. I can look forward to it. I'm not going to pity myself. I'm going to look forward. Don't mope. Okay, don't complain. Don't mope. Number two, three. Number three, you ready? You guys ready? Here we go. we got to hurry. I think church is getting ready. Brother Buller, can you go see if they're, here we go. Stop envying and start serving. Here's what happens. Once you murmur and complain, you start to mope. Once you start to feel real bad for yourself because something bad happened to you, and you're moping and moping and moping, then you start comparing. And you start looking at other people's lives. And you start going, well, she doesn't have this bad thing happen to her. He doesn't have, he's got it way better than me. And wow, those four people, and wow, nobody has it as bad as me. And you start comparing yourself to everybody else and envying everybody else, which makes you more depressed, and more discouraged. And, and we could talk about envying for a long time, but let me, let me tell you the other side of the coin. Instead of comparing and go, well, I wish I was that person or I wish I had that person's parents, or I wish I had. They're still in church, so hang with me. Murmuring leads to moping. Moping leads to comparing and envying, and wow, I have it worse than everybody else. Don't go there. Start with thanks and hope and trust, and then go to serving. Say, okay, and here's Here's where the Lord has done this in my heart. Let me share with you a little personal experience. I got on a, I was doing a search for Hodgkin's lymphoma, and I found a forum that's nothing but Hodgkin's lymphoma patients. And uh, there's, I don't know how many users there are in that forum, but there's probably 100 or 150 of them. And I got on there and I started reading their stories And I'll tell you what, it was pretty convicting. Some of them were dead. Some of them had been battling Hodgkins for 15 or 20 years. Some of them were parents of people that had it. But let me tell you the most convicting part of it. Nobody that I've seen on that forum is over 31 years old. Everybody on the whole forum is 18, 22, 28, 24. They're in college. And I knew, the doctor told me, when he, when, he, when he told me I had this, he said, almost nobody gets this in their 40s. He said, to get this, you usually have to be in your 20s or your 60s. He said, you're, you're just kind of an anomaly. You're in the middle here. And you know, the first thing I thought was, wow, God, I could have gotten this when I was 20 or 21 or 22, but God allowed me 21 years of ministry and family and marriage. Wow. And that's where the Lord said, there's always somebody who's got it worse than you. There's always somebody who's got a trial that's heavier than yours. There's always somebody that's got a hardship that's deeper or their sorrow is, is greater or what they're going through is greater. And that's where I came back to, you know what? I want I want to come out of this with a servant's heart. I don't want to envy others. I don't want to compare to others. I don't want, wow, what a bummer. This stinks, I'm gonna complain and murmur, then I'm gonna feel sorry for myself and mope, then I'm gonna compare myself to everybody else, really get depressed. I don't wanna go that way. The fourth one I wrote down is this, write this down. Stop, did I, let me see, did I get, is this number four? Yeah, number four is stop criticizing and start uplifting. In my experience, here's what happens. When I get on the negative track, I get—I I murmur, I mope, I envy, and then I start picking other people apart. I get real critical, I'm not saying me personally, I'm saying that's the tendency. When something doesn't go your way, I complain about it, my spirit turns bad, I mope about it, self-pity, I start comparing and figuring that nobody else has it quite as bad as me, and then I start criticizing other people. And I get this bad spirit that now i got to talk to other people about. i gotta, I got I to pick on other people and gossip and backbite and backstab. And it makes me feel better because my life stinks, but you're a jerk and he's stupid and they're, they're all stupid. It makes me feel better about my life and my misery if I can make everybody else out to be stupid. And that bad spirit turns into a critical spirit, and suddenly I'm just this pathetic person with a negative outlook in life, and self-pity, and despair, and depression. And what we ought to be is uplifting. We ought to be, and I wrote this statement down, and I, I want you to hear it, you might, you might want to write it down. Grateful people, in the grip of God's grace, always see the best in others, and they point it out. Man, if there's a people group on the planet that can be mean to each other, it's teenagers. I think the only other people group I can think of that's meaner are the elementary kids. Elementary kids will just flat look at each other and say, you're stupid and ugly and I hate you and you're fat and you're as big as the planet Mars and teenagers will say that about you to your friends. But guys, I just want to challenge you to to get off that negative track and and to get on this track of, you know what, I'm going to, Thank God, I'm going I'm to be the kind of person that serves. I'm going to be the kind of person that doesn't self-pity myself and focus on what's not right in my life. I, I'm going to be the kind of person that when I'm around other people, I'm just going to be thankful for, for the good about them. I'm going to love the good. I'm going to fan the flames of the good. I'm going to encourage others, and that's the, that's the next one. In fact, let's go ahead and fill that one out. So when we leave, we got them all filled out. The last one is stop. Here we go. Discouraging and start encouraging. Stop discouraging and start encouraging. And to me, the difference between number four and number five, number four is about others but not in their presence. I'm criticizing or I'm uplifting people when they're not around. Okay, so like what do I say about Trent Kelly when me and Larry are by ourselves in the car? Do I say, dude, that Trent, man, what a jerk. Or do I say, Trent, man, he's a good guy. What do I say about Trent when I'm, by, when I'm not around Trent? That's number four. Number five is this. What do I say to Trent when I'm around him? Shut up, Trent. Well, that's harsh. Well, I got news for you. If you let what happened to you, your curl iron didn't work, or your parents got a divorce, or whatever happened, if you let what happened to you cause you to mope and murmur and despair and poor pitiful me, and I, I don't, I wish, you know, I wish I was that person. They don't have it as bad as me. And wow, this really stinks. It won't be long before that edginess comes out on other people, and you're barking at your sister, you're snapping at your brother, and you're talking back to your parents and you're just harsh and edgy and miserable to be around when just other, when anybody's, around, anybody's around. So discouraging or encouraging. Now, look up here at me, and we're almost done. Things may not have gone today, look up here, the way you wanted them to go. Things may not have gone this year the way you wanted them to go. Some of you in this room are bearing much bigger trials than mine. Listen very carefully to me right now. You have breath right now. You have today. You have a life. You have a God. You have a future. And you have a decision to make. What in the world? What do you do with your trial? Do you mope and grow complain? Descend into this pit? Do you like imprison yourself in this world of life stinks? Or in spite of what's going on, do you get up, thank the Lord, trust the Lord, rejoice in the Lord, encourage others, serve others, uplift others, and live your life? If you do all the negatives, the trial kills you. It just takes away your whole life. If you do all the positives, if you do all the things that God wants us to do in trials, the trial becomes, you guys aren't even going to know what this word means, a catalyst. You don't know what that means. Listen. Listen. A catalyst, listen, is what starts something moving forward with momentum. Okay. So these shots I got to take are the catalyst for white blood cell growth. Your trial, here is my last statement. Your trial could become the catalyst for joy and growth and blessing, and lots of good things in your life if you respond the right way. Thank you for listening to this Student Ministry 127 podcast. For more sermon resources, visit preaching.lancasterbaptist.org. And for information about West Coast Baptist College, visit wcbc.edu.